This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. We're going to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. The Lord's already done great things among us today, and uh, it's so wonderful to see how people were prayed for, and that many of you took communion, and now we get to share in the Scripture together. I'm in a series called 12.1, and we're looking at some great passages from chapter 12, verse 1. And today's passage is going to um, bring us a lot of insight. We're, talk, we're going to talk about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And statisticians have surveyed non-Christian people, or people who do not attend church. And you know that hypocrisy is one of the top three reasons why people don't attend church, because they think Christians are hypocrites. And today is a warning to all of us because all of us have the potential to have hypocrisy in our life. And Jesus, in Luke 12:1, the story picks up and says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, that the Word of God is here to warn us, to enlighten us. And Lord, I pray that today we would be stronger. And we'd be stronger because of what the Scripture says. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, one of the things that in culture we're very comfortable with is disguises. And when TV first started becoming popular in the 50s, they had this very sophisticated disguise. There was a TV character that some of you watched, and he had a disguise that was very, very complicated. And you might know him. Look at him with me. This guy. Dun, 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 dun. The Lone Ranger. Now, when I was a kid, I loved watching The Lone Ranger because that meant that I was sick that day and that mom and dad let me stay home from school and I had a grilled cheese sandwich and chicken noodle soup and it was syndication all day long. It was awesome. Now, just who in here remembers when The Lone Ranger was actually on TV, primetime? Oh, we got some primetimers. All right. Well, as time went on in our culture, even though this is a sophisticated disguise, there's no doubt the mass, no one knew who the Lone Ranger was. But then culture decided to have a whole outfit, and this guy showed up. You remember him? That would be the next one. Batman! Now, how in the world that guy had to have a lot of pride to wear that outfit? I mean, that is... And so we go on and you see Superman being the next one, and, and Superman kind of had the same deal. And, and the thing that really, really disguised Superman was this, bad glasses. I mean, look at these things. Look at that next picture there. I mean, the 70s and 80s came, and, and this really, really bad pair of glasses got there. Well, now remember her? Mrs. Doubtfire, well, she that was a sophisticated disguise. Now, with all the advance of technology, technology's advanced, and um, you would think of all the things we're getting better at, but now here in 
whatever you want to call this decade, the aughts or the 2000s, or we still haven't, the decade's about to end in four months and we still don't know what we're going to call it. This is now the disguise everyone sees. A wig. Miley Cyrus becomes Hannah Montana simply because she puts on a wig. You think things would have got a lot more uh, sophisticated, but still, we are all very comfortable with disguises. And I say that because that is where, and I don't want to preach to Miley all day, so we could just go back to logo. That, that'd be creepy, you know, to have her smile in the background. The word, the word hypocrisy, it came from Greek drama. The word hypocrisy, in the Greek drama, a hypocrite was one who would take a mask and they would cover their face and they would emulate another character. And so is it that we have discovered the word hypocrisy. And it means so much to us. Now, Jesus vigorously denounced hypocrisy. I mean, we we always know that Jesus was loving and caring, but when it came to hypocrisy, He was aggressive. And I want to show you a couple of examples of this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he said this. He said, be careful not to do your act of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have your reward from your Father in heaven. And it goes on, it says in verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. Another time in Matthew 6, 5, he said this. He said, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Jesus was vigorous. He was outspoken. He did not like hypocrisy. And he saw it in the religious leaders of his day. In Matthew 6.16, he went on and says, When you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. They, they are somber. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth. They have already received their reward in full. Being a hypocrite is like performing in theater. You're not really being who you are at the core of your being. You're putting on an act. And you're not putting on that act for God. You're putting on the act for other people. So let's face it. Let's be honest. All of us who are Southerners in Hendersonville, Tennessee, it is to our advantage right now to have a religious affiliation. It's to our advantage to be at church. It's part of the cultural norm. And I thank God for that in a lot of ways. That's one of the reasons I'm glad I'm raising my family in this community. But the danger in that is that we can have it all together on the outside. And everybody else can think that we're right with God. But right here on the inside, we're far from Him. And we're acting. We're, we're like putting on a performance. And, and we're, we're, everything in our life is for man to approve not for God. We all need to be warned about hypocrisy. And before we go further in this message, I know many of you immediately are thinking of other people. And I want to ask you to think about yourself today. To think about yourself, because Jesus was very intentional when he told the story. In fact, if you remember in the beginning of verse 1, it said thousands had come to hear him. A multitude was there. And so he spoke to his disciples, but he did it so the crowd could overhear. And the message was clear. 
Jesus said, I will not tolerate hypocrisy. Not among my closest, closest people. Not among any of my followers. Jesus said, I will not tolerate hypocrisy. And he knew that right there in the middle of his group, he had a hypocrite. Judas. Judas, the one who would betray him. And so he said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. You know, yeast is the leaven that you put in bread that causes the bread to rise. And you can't just put yeast or leaven in part of a bread. It spreads through the whole component. It's not possible. It's not possible for it to just, for those of you cook, to, to, for it to raise part of the bread, not the other. Yeast spreads, leaven spreads throughout the whole, the whole of, the, of whatever you're cooking or whatever you're baking. Now, I used to uh, drive a school bus, and I did that when we started the church in Texas. And uh, incidentally, I still have my commercial driver's license. It has nothing to do with the story. Was I bragging just then? I can still drive a school bus. But honestly, I've kept that as a secret because then people want me to drive their bus for them. So that was really a strategic mistake. Uh, but early on, early on, uh, when I was driving my bus, it was August. School had started in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and Texas in August is just like one step above hell. I mean, it is horrible. There's no water. There's nothing cool. It is just suffocating in the heat. And the bus I drove didn't have an air condition. And, and we're driving, and I'm on a small street, and there's construction. And I just barely scraped the bus against the trailer that's on the side of the road. But procedure said that I had to call in, and it was a big deal. I, I radioed into the bus barn, and before I knew it, the police showed up, the principal showed up, and it was just a little bitty scrape. It, it, was, it was procedure. Any kind of wreck, we had to have a whole bunch of people show up. So the students were ticked off, and I didn't blame them because it was hot. I was a new bus driver. This was not a good situation. So the next morning, I, I made this decision. I was like, I, I got up as early as I could, as soon as the donut shop opened, and I bought like several dozen donuts, several dozen boxes of donuts. And so as, as we begin to stop, and, and I thought, this would be really nice of me. I'm going to share the donuts with the kids. So at each stop, something very, very interesting happened. As they would walk up, I would open up the donuts, like, here you go. And, uh, and this is what would happen. The, the first person, if they would respond and say, no, I don't want anything, everybody else in the line would do the exact same thing and walk right by the donuts. So I close the box, go to the next stop, open up the donuts. The first person, as they're walking up, these were high school students, walking up, said, yeah, I'll take a donut. Every person in line took the donut. It was like this incredible social experiment I was having at 6.30 in the morning. And, and I've thought about that story a lot because the truth is this, is that we don't realize how much we're influenced by social behavior around us. Other people set the pace. Other people set the tone. And that's why when Jesus warns, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, and we'll write, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, attitudes and behavior spread. And that's the truth. Good attitudes and bad attitudes. You know, working with churches and working with, with different sports teams and working with all types of different groups of people, it's amazing to me how one person's bad attitude can affect a whole group. And we are just like those kids. 
that we're just walking up the bus and we're going to do whatever the person in front of us does. It's just we're conditioned in our mind to do that. And when it comes to hypocrisy, that's why Jesus was so clear when he warned us, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, what is yeast? Yeast is the presence of corruption and hypocrisy. And you can write that down if you're taking notes. Yeast is corruption and, and, uh, and it is uh, hypocrisy. And it's so true that any kind of social agreement, any kind of social um, type of network, that there's a certain type of attitude and there's a certain type of behavior that exists as a social group. And so it is that in the religious world that when hypocrisy begins to exist for a small group of people, it will spread among a whole church. It will spread among a family. It will spread among a workplace. Why is that? Because we begin to send a message, whether it's stated or unstated, that it's okay to act this way on the stage and for it not to affect our behavior at home. It's okay to be fake when we are interacting in this building, but in our building that we own, our mortgage that we pay, we can act any way we want to. And we send those messages, and that is that simply made Jesus nauseated. He could not tolerate that. So why do we think Jesus can tolerate the hypocrisy that's in us now? As, as a preacher, one of my, my hobbies is, is, is I meet people a lot, and I try to figure out a way for them not to discover what I do for a living. I know that seems really strange to you, but I meet people all the time. And, and when you tell people you're a preacher or you tell people you're a pastor, it just changes the dynamics of the whole conversation. I heard someone say the other day, in conversation as a preacher, when you tell someone what you do, it's like a cannibal inviting someone to lunch. And I feel that response a lot. They're like, oh, you're a pastor. Well, let's talk about spiritual things, or let's talk about this, or something changes. So I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm in sales. Like I, 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 I sell Jesus, so, you know, that's how I'm... I run a nonprofit. This one is my favorite. I do conflict resolution and management. That is pretty accurate right there. So it's a little game I play. I try to see how far I can go without people discovering I'm a pastor. Not that I'm ashamed of that, but it's because I want to relate to people on, on a normal level before we, we introduce that dynamic to our relationship. Well, the Pharisees were the exact opposite of that. Because they wanted to make sure that everybody knew who they were. And they, they made sure that they were distinguished in their clothes. They were distinguished in their conduct. In fact, they took it so far that they would not even eat meals with other people who were not Pharisees. Because they were so afraid of being corrupted. That was their attitude. Now let me tell you a little bit about the history of the Pharisees. About 200 years before Jesus came to earth, the Jewish culture was dominated by the Greeks. And it had gotten so bad that you really couldn't tell the difference between how a Jew lived and how a Gentile lived. The Greeks were ruling the world and Hellenism was, it was the language of the day, it was the culture of the day. So out of that, a revolution happened. And then out of this revolution, this group known as the Pharisees were established. And what the Pharisees did is that they went back to the original law and they wanted to make sure everyone followed the law as it should. So initially they gained quite a bit of popularity. 
And they weren't like the other priests because the priests at that time were not respected. The priests, they had um, inherited their position and they had become corrupt. And so the people were very much connected with the Pharisees. That was at the beginning. But as time went on, as the Pharisees began to develop more rules and more rules and more rules, it just became oppressive to the people. And it began to... It began to develop a form of religion that God never intended, and that is the scene that Jesus arrived upon. It was so far from the heart of God. It was so far from what God wanted. It was people who were making rules about rules, and those are the worst kind of rules. When you are making up stuff to clearly define what the rules are, already were in the beginning. And they call this the tradition of elders. The tradition of elders, meaning this, is that these rules weren't even written down. You can find this in Mark 7.3. In Mark 7.3, it talks about the tradition of elders. And, and these rules weren't even written down in the book. Someone made up a rule, and they passed it on to this Pharisee, who passed it on to the next Pharisee, who passed it on to the next Pharisee, who said, the tradition of the elders says you can't do this. The tradition of the elders says, you must do this. It was such a broken system. It was a system that uh, was very, very far from the heart of God. They had, you know, you've read the Old Testament, many of you have, and, and the Old Testament can be cumbersome and all the different lists of things to do. But the Pharisees invented 619 laws beyond the laws that God even established. They were just, they were just obsessed with rules. And they were obsessed in controlling people's behavior. And they were obsessed with things that really didn't matter to God anymore. And they were what we, count, we call today bean counters. And they just wanted to make sure they knew what was going on in everybody else's life. Now, why did I tell you a little bit about the history of Pharisees? I took a little time this morning to do that. Well, the reason why is I have a confession to make to you guys today. And you guys are my friends, and so I'm just going to put it out there. I am a recovered Pharisee. I didn't live in the first century. I've only been alive for 34 years. But the characteristics that are in a Pharisee, I found them in my life too. Because Pharisees didn't just end with the first and second century. Pharisees are alive today. People who think they're religious, and they think... They're operating according to God's will. But they've really strayed very, very far from what God wants us to be. So let me give you a couple, and if you're taking notes, a couple of characteristics of what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee, number one, a modern-day Pharisee, obeys with appearance, but not with the heart. They obey with appearance, but not with the heart. They're just trying to develop some behavior patterns to get people off their back. They're just trying to be socially acceptable. They're just trying to do whatever they need to do to be part of the religion or to be part of the club or to be part of the group. But their heart is very disconnected from the behavior they are working so hard for others to believe. Can I tell you that? God changes us from the heart. And then our behavior catches up. When we do it the opposite way, it doesn't work as God wants it to be. 
And we must always make sure that our heart is right before God. When you, when you are just going through the motions and God is not affecting your heart and your emotions and who you are, then all your religion becomes is a dead misrepresentation of God. That's why we have to always keep our heart tender before the Lord and realize that we are not involved in religion. We are in a relationship with a God who has a very distinct personality. And He's very real. And you know what? We're not Baptists and we're not Charismatics and we're not Methodists and Catholics. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We have a personal relationship with Him. And you can't inherit that. And it's not what you put on your senses. And it's not what you put on a membership card. It is where your heart is connected with Him. And when we forget that, then we become modern-day Pharisees. You know, one of the reasons I used to like being a Pharisee is because I could easily categorize people just by certain criteria that I had established or that my church had established. And so it was much easier for me to label people than it was for me to understand people. And I went so far that I did... Something so stupid, looking back on it, is, is I would meet people and I would see a characteristic in their life and I would hear what kind of church, what church they went to or what denomination they were part of and I would label an entire church or a whole denomination because of the behavior of one or two people. You realize how immature that is? Because a Pharisee does that. A Pharisee wants to continue to label things. A Pharisee wants to continue to judge things because it feels good to have everyone else on the outside and you to be on the inside by yourself as an example of everyone else of what a Christian should be like. Can I tell you that we need to spend a lot more energy looking at our hearts instead of other people's habits. We need to look to see at who we are at and we need to place our heart before God and lay down judgmental attitudes. The judgmental attitudes that judge this outward criteria that God hasn't even used as a judge. He wants us to stay in our hearts. You see, number two, Pharisees make outward rules for the final judgment of spiritual health. Can I tell you that to make outward rules for the final judge of spiritual health? No one knows how spiritual someone else is except God. He's the only one who knows. You know, I know there's a scripture that says you will know them by their fruits, and that's talking specifically about false prophets. Now, it does have some some translation, but we need to be looking at our own fruit and not other people's fruit. We need to be looking at our lives and judging our lives and placing our lives before God. There's something powerful about being a Pharisee. There's something powerful about making judgments about other people because it takes the attention away from our lives. It takes the attention away from our hearts. And it's a lot easier to look at somebody else instead of looking at you. Because there's some ugly things inside of us. There's some dark places inside of us. But you know what? When other people look darker, we're not so bad. You know, I used to you listen to Dave Ramsey. I can I can recite all his baby steps. You know, I could run his show. But every once in a while, I used to just listen to his show just because people were in more debt than me. And that made me feel better. It's like, wow, this is great. They have more debt than me. And it's something in us that we want that. I'm not so bad. Look at them. Can you believe them? Can you believe that group? Can you believe that type of people? And we point here, here, and there. And we never look right here at our heart. 
And, and that's not the will of God. God wants us to look in to see where we're at. Pharisees, number three, they're concerned with their issues more than God's issues. Look at Matthew 20, 23. Pharisees are preoccupied with their issues more than God's issues. And Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you actors. You, you, do you understand the power of the word hypocrite there? You actors. You mask-wearing men. You give a tenth of your spices. Mint, dill, and cumin. And cumin's a type of fruit. And so can you imagine these guys getting out their spices and being like, that's about 10% and taking their fruit and this little tiny piece of fruit and trying to cut off 10% because they're so religious? It's almost absurd in a way. And you know we believe in tithing here and we talk about it. And, we, and, and this is not about tithing. This is about your heart being in the wrong place. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Again, he goes on and says, you should have practiced the latter. You should have tithed, but without neglecting the former. Can I tell you some of the meanest, most hateful people I've ever met is tithe-paying members of churches. They pay their tithe, and they attend their church, and their daddy and their granddaddy's been at this church, but they are mean and heartless and don't love the people God loves. What happens is it's easy for us to get some behavior down. We're tithers and we're churchgoers and we're attenders and we've been members all these years, but those are good. And Jesus says, yeah, keep doing those things, but do those things and don't forget to love the unlovable. Don't forget to bring justice to the oppressed. Don't forget to bring mercy to those that no one's speaking up for. You understand that? That God wants us to take our hearts and engage our hearts in the process and to be concerned with the things that He's concerned about. Put number three up there again. The Pharisees, they are concerned with their issues more than God's issues. And that is one of the great calls we have. Listen, if we want to be the church God's called us to be, then we have to move beyond petty arguments. We have to move beyond just arguing about the process. We have to move beyond just focusing on all the things the enemy wants us to focus on and instead say, where is the dream to reach a city for God? Who are the lost in our city? How can we reach them? How can we win our neighbors? How can we win our friends? How can we give more to missions? How can we affect the social need of our city? How can we be the church? How can we show mercy and justice and all the things God wants us to be? But no, we're preoccupied on well, I wish the preacher would preach on this. Well, I wish I don't like that style of song. Oh, I don't. I think the drums are too loud. Oh, I think this. I think that. All the little things that don't matter to the heart of God. God wants to know who are we winning to Christ. Who are we reaching out to? He wants to know what are we doing for the poor in the community. What are we doing for the overlooked in the community? What are we doing to make a mark on the people that we share the air with? That's what matters. But when we fall and we become a modern-day hypocrite, a modern-day Pharisee like I was, then we lose the heart of God. You know, one thing I forgot to tell you earlier, but I have to say this or I'm going to be walking in pride. Remember when I said I'm a recovering, I'm a recovering Pharisee? I forgot to tell you this part. Most of the time, most of the time, because sometimes I still act like a Pharisee. 
You know, it's not something you just leave forever. You have to continue to search your heart and see that your heart is right before the Lord. Number four, Pharisees are full of spiritual pride. They think they are better than other sinners. And the Lord is looking for a humble people. Then we realize that someday when we get in line in heaven to see if our names are written in the books of life, that in that same line are going to be prostitutes. That same line are going to be homosexuals. And that same line are going to be sinners that we thought would never get in. But because of the grace and the love of God, they might be in line before us because they have made their hearts right before God. We might just be surprised. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, make me humble. Don't make me prideful. Don't make me one that thinks that I am better than others. But instead, let me continue to be amazed by the grace I've experienced. Let me continue to be amazed by by what I've experienced through you, that you have done something great in my life, that you have done something in me. And I just want the word of the Lord today is beware the yeast. Beware of those attitudes, those religious attitudes, those prideful attitudes, those wrong attitudes, because they will spread into your life and they will corrupt your heart and they will make your heart much darker than God wants it to be. I'm going to ask that Melissa and Alan make their way here. And I've got two questions for you today. Question question one, is there yeast spreading in your life? Is there a bad attitude you picked up from somewhere that doesn't reflect the heart of God? Is there corruption? Is there pride? Is there hypocrisy spreading in your life that you think it's okay to put on an act and keep your heart far from God? I want you to take some time this morning to reflect on that. The second question then, are you a modern day Pharisee? Is that you? Are you always trying to do things on the outside to make yourself look more holy to man instead of trying to be more holy to God? That's what all it is. It's a change of focus to say, God, I don't want to do things so everyone else thinks I'm spiritual. I want to do things so you know that I'm in love with you, so that you know that I care for you, so that you know that my heart belongs to you. God, I want you to know my heart. So those are the questions. Is there yeast spreading in your life? Is there is there an attitude that's not right? Is there something that's affecting everything? You might have picked it up at your workplace. You might have picked it up when you traveled to see your family and picked up an old habit again. But it's spreading. It's affecting your church life. It's affecting your marriage. It's an attitude that's just spreading. And you know what? God's saying He can remove that from your life today. He can take that out today. And are you a modern-day Pharisee? I was. And you know what? Sometimes I still am. I've got to watch my heart and watch my spirit. Melissa's going to sing a beautiful song for us today. A song that talks about the simplicity of a relationship with the Lord. And as she sings that, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to examine your heart to ask those two questions. Is there anything in my life that's spreading? Any kind of corruption? any kind of hypocrisy, and am I a modern-day Pharisee? And as she sings this song, let's let pure love and devotion for Jesus Christ well up in our hearts, and the light will eliminate all the dark places.
This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.